into positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. Not God Bless America. God damn America. That's in the Bible for killing innocent people. God damn America for treating our citizens as less than human. God Coming in live at Goddamn America Radio. We're back again, live and direct. In your headphones. That's right. That's hey, right, everybody. And... I, 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 sorry, I wasn't sure if I should do my I'm own. I'm not done yet. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. I'm not, I wasn't sure what voice oh. to do, but you can cap it off. The Poddam America Radio broadcast. Hello. Hey, everybody. Hi, what's up? It's me, Alex. I'm here for another week of Poddam America, here with everyone's favorite co-host, Anders Lee. Anders Lee here from the 21st century. Uh, despite what you may have just heard, it's yeah. You know, and despite what you're hearing now, I'm told off, and then I have a voice that sounds like it's from the 1930s. You're a but, 20th century man. Uh, yeah, in a way, that's and that's what, of course, we agree. The most important thing for a socialist organization to have is a theory of the 20th century. Yes, uh, more so than having a a line on Palestinian rights or you know what your national campaigns are in 2022 is theorizing about the 20th century, which is, again, we will stress this. Uh, one of the things you will deal with if you quit DSA to join some other org will be debating theories of the 20th century. Instead Absolutely. Of Taking actual, shots. Yeah. Would Austria, Hungary have beaten the Nazis if they had a separate peace with the allies in world war one? Okay, now you're t- speaking my language and making me want to join if we're going to go over counterfactuals. but It's very exciting. There's a lot of counterfactuals to go over. Uh, another important theory you have to have is uh, what food Jake Flores ate that is destroying his intestinal lining today in the last two days as yeah, he shits know. out his doo-doo ass and head and mouth. I'm thinking it's some sort of seafood burrito. Uh, he has food poisoning. And um, apparently, Bobert's Bar Grill, Bar Grill, Shooters gave people food poisoning. Um, yes. Maybe he ate there. I've, I've wanted them to open a Brooklyn location so I can work there. If I do have to go back to the service industry, unemployed right now, uh, I would like it to be armed. A situation like where you get a gun. gun. Yeah. Um, I think it's probably a chili. I know Jake has maybe joked about this, but he stays eating chili and preparing chilies in all sorts of hodgepodge ways. And I could see a chili going rogue and maybe defeating him this way. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, depending on how the beef is prepared, how it, you know, if it was out too long or something like that, I guess. Beef is like the number one way to catch a bacteria. Pork. I think pork is actually worse. That's true. That's why people don't eat it. Some people. Part of the reason. It's Yeah, it is forbidden. It is, mm. It's wrong and it's a sin. And you know what? Depending on your religious background, that can really affect how you view politics and the modern world, which is why we're opening the show today with an exciting new article from Tablet Magazine. Yeah, so you know we're going to be discussing working groups today in DSA. One of which, of course, is the BDS working group. We will get to that. But there's an, another new exciting 
uh, working group, and that is the DSA Anti-Immigrant Landlord of Color Working Group, which has been very active in NYC, apparently, as Mr. Leo Leibovitz has reported on in Tablet Mag. In his article, the DSA comes for immigrant landlords of color. They're and coming then like a for guy, him. it says comes for here, Anders. I'm looking right at comes for. I know, I'm repeating it. I'm underscoring it. It's going to have their, and then it's like a guy in a hat looking like, don't come for me. <laughs> no, I I've done like, nothing wrong. Yeah, he looks innocent in the photo. Um, he is a landlord uh, who's in, I guess it looks like he's fixing up a place in the photograph. Yeah. Uh, he's not like your landlord. He actually will show up and repair the house. Supposedly, but he's very mad. Mr. Lincoln Eccles is his name at having to pay fines um, after he fixes things. So things will be will be unrepaired, will go unrepaired for a while. Uh, and he'll finally get around to repairing them and then have to pay a fine for not repairing them early. Sounds like um, I'm pretty sure says, it says in here he owns a hundred units. <laughs> Well, doesn't he come from a landlord family? One of the finest families you can come from. So it, there's a photo of a fucked up wall in one of his units. There's like scaffolding and just hoses coming out of the wall. It looks like egg cartons. And the subline says new rent regulations have left Eccles unable to make repairs to his building. Then sell the fucking building. I don't believe it for a second that he actually can't afford it. Uh, Anders, I didn't realize you were in this working group. <laughs> I'm starting it right now. But the uh, he 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 had a communique with uh, shout out my favorite New York State Senator Julia Salazar, and she said he he basically told her like, oh, I can't can't afford this, and she sent back a message that was basically like tough. I you your job is to provide amenities um so he's mad that he has to pay the system for a viol- for violations and she's like that's the point you should have to pay to remove violations that you're responsible for it's a very small penalty to pay for the suffering you inflict on people who live in your janky building do your job instead of spending all day trolling us on twitter i know he's the landlord in this case but i think here he really is the one who got owned that's really well put. Thank you. I see why you're now chair of this new and controversial committee that you can tell is real and left-leaning because of how many words it is. <laughs> yeah. What would that sound like as a, as a uh, acronym? acronym? See. Il, Il Kukwug. I don't know, Immigrant bro. landlord of c- color. Um, you're the one who works there. Write it out. Ilk. Anti-immigrant landlord of color working group. Elk Wug. Elk Wug. Uh, let's get into it. It's the DSA episode. Everyone this week screaming, yelling about DSA stuff. We said we we can do that. That's kind of what we do on our podcast. Yep. It's uh, it's not happy times this past week. It's been a bad week, I guess. Well, you know, couple weeks really. Um. Things have been bad for a while, but it what really kicked off this uh, this series of disasters, if you will, was there was a 
member of the National Political Committee and kind of give people an idea of what that is. It's, it's an elected body by the membership to rule on things. They are, they are our representatives. So there's They're a like convention. the admins of the group. Yeah. Right. And there's a convention every two years where they're like hundreds of delegates from all the chapters uh, and they meet in a city and decide to hammer out a platform and bylaws and all that stuff. And then they, they distribute have, the Reddit gold. That's right. And then we elect. Um, what is it? Every year we elect a national political committee. Don't quote me on that. But recently there's been turmoil. I mean, there's always been turmoil in both of these things, but um, one of the um, members of the NPC stepped down a while ago, reluctantly, but he, he tweeted out a sort of a tasteless joke that's coming from me about uh, AIDS and um, had to step down. Yeah, they don't like uh, when you do that, when you're like in an elected position of power right. a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, Usually just know. when you're just like a piece of shit in a bar, you could... You can do that. Get away with it. Right. It's not. No one's saying he should. Well, if I don't you're know. in the year 2008, people love when you do that. <laughs> yeah. But even then, I yeah, it probably shouldn't be mixing comedy. And, and this is, again, why we will not accept uh, any nomination. If we were elected to the NPC, we would not serve because we you would are not serve clowns. We are lining up behind Anthony Jeselnik to spear point our committee. Um, so that's kind of kicked things off. And then, boom, big, big other surprise. The Boycott, Divestment and Sanctions Working Group, which, of course, refers to a series of tactics that people levy or wish to levy against the state of Israel, was de-chartered and dissolved by the NPC, National Political Committee, and put under the International Committee. And just to sort of dissect the terminology might be a bit inside baseball. A lot of this episode will be, frankly, sort of inside baseball, but we'll try our best to keep people up on the different terms and things. We've got to talk about it, man. If you're listening to a socialist podcast in 2022, start playing baseball. Get inside. It's great. I, I'm not kidding. I believe there is some DSA baseball uh, society or uh, I don't know if it would count as a working group. Or it's, they, people want to get baseball games going. Um, society? Not a society. But actually, Bernie <laughs> is... separate from us all. Bernie is holding hearings, and he's very mad about the state of baseball. Anyway, um, so a working group is like an issue-focused subgroup, basically. So there's also a healthcare working group. There's... Uh, immigration justice working group, racial justice, defund, you know, there's and there are local working groups. So your chapter right now, I'm in MDC DSA. I was in NYC, probably going back to that. Um, there are sub there are working groups within the chapter that are locally focused. And then there are national working groups And a lot of chapters, if I'm not mistaken, do have. Uh, BDS working groups, and those have not been touched, but the national one has been d- dissolved or it was dechartered. Right, which is NPC. all to say a bunch of people who actually do a lot of the organizing and activism were then frustrated and uh, upset with the organization and started leaving very publicly in a way that is bad. 
that happened to yeah. your big socialist organization. So we thought we should talk about it. Right. And there are a lot of different ways to cut this thing. Um, I get, you know, obviously we don't believe in objective journalism. I went into these series of interviews with more of a skewed perspective and I come out now much more ecumenical. I don't know what to think, honestly, by being totally frank. And this is again, why I'm not in a position to make decisions and uh, come down on things that will hurt people one way or the other. Call me a weasel, call me a coward. I am, you know, just don't have the intellect for it. I'm sorry. I, I can argue with liberals and conservatives and opponents, ultra leftist opponents of DSA and a partisan for the organization, the internal stuff I try to keep track of, but a lot of the time it does go over my head and it's, it's frankly just hard to make up my mind. It's like being in the video store again in 1999 and not being able to choose between the uh, late, the babysitters club and the latest uh, James Bond flick. It's right. It's, you know, decisions, decisions. It's almost exactly the same as that. Right. I actually, I went in a paid Russian agent and left more devoted than ever to rebuilding the great Kiev Russian empire stronger than it's ever been before. That'll happen. <clears throat> but so we, you know, there are a lot of perspectives out there. Unfortunately, we weren't able to, to get each <clears throat> one of them. Excuse me. We have talked to two members of the NPC, but there's a lot of other voices out there. We tried very hard, Alex, yeah. to get a working group member from the BDS working group on the show to share their perspective. I also wanted to talk to some other people, you know, because there's, like I said, a lot of different perspectives here. This, this dates back and we're going to have to go over this a few different times. So just bear with me here. Jamal Bowman, as we know, uh, vote, or you may not know, voted to uh, fund Iron Dome money that was not actually needed that they, they didn't ask for, I believe as well as went on a trip to Israel. And I should mention the Palestinian territories. He did. There was a mixed, it was frankly, the trip was a mixed bag in my opinion. Um, But doing things like taking photos with um, Naftali Bennett is, is not, I think acceptable in an anti-apartheid organization. I, I totally understand that. And he did. And I had forgotten this during that dust up. Um, he did actually vote for just straight up IDF funding a few months before this, which kind of went under the radar. And then it, this stuff bubbled up and it became a big controversy. And, you know, the, the uh, debate has really been how to react to this. And this is one of the frustrations that we'll kind of get into from a lot of members. And I, this has been, I'll be upfront, one of my frustrations as well is that it's it's constantly being framed by by some comrades as you're either unless you're for the maximalist expulsion of Bowman immediately and all that goes with that then you are um, on the side of the Israelis and you're a Zionist and that's just not a useful way of of looking at this I don't think you know we've all been um, tarred by most of us, I assume, have been tarred by Zionists in the past, you know, and I'm not trying to do a woe is me thing. But, you know, um, during the early parts of the pandemic, I did a segment for my job at the time about how shitty it's been for Palestinians during COVID because they've been treated even worse than than usual by the Israeli government. And I, of course, I was called by uh, some idiot I went to high school with called me a uh, compared me to Goebbels, and that's just going to happen. You're going to be called a Nazi sympathizer and an anti-Semite. 
Yeah. Yeah. He was not a fan of Goebbels. Okay. Um, and like with that in mind, I, I would hope that people don't repeat that sort of recreate that sort of dynamic um, from the other side. It's just so demoralizing to see people like Asa Win Stanley, who's done great work for Electronic Intifada, literally comparing what the NPC has done, which there are a lot of problems with that we'll get into. He called it Nazi tactics. That is heinous for someone to say that on the left about another left-wing organization and it's just you know it's justified by well dsa's a front it's uh zionist backed and fbi backed and all this crap um and i think people like that i are i just don't know how to respond to that it's just really sad to see and it's unserious and it's shitty and that's the way um things have gone on both ends of this right there has been have been accusations from the other side that's more pro Bowman, there's kind of been some hand waving like, oh, well, if you're not if you don't agree with us, then you're not you probably don't do any work anyway. And that's not fair, although there has been an issue with um, how much of a focus Bowman has taken. And I think you can argue that that has come at the expense of other uh, BDS and pro-Palestinian organizing. So that's what we're talking about today. OK, I made a lot of messages, texts, phone calls throughout the week. People do not want to talk on the record at large. Yeah. A lot of rejections in a row. Don't message me asking why I didn't get an interview from your friend. They didn't want to talk to me. Um, well, but- if I could, I, I'm sorry. I just have to add one quick thing. Okay. Um, from a perspective we didn't share. Um, just to make sure we have as many uh, sides of this included. There is a, another member of the NPC who is Arab American uh is gay guy and i don't you know this that may or may not play a role in this i don't want to jump to any conclusions but he was called by the palace by the uh bds working group he was called a traitor to muslims in a in a meeting and he was told that he was haram and i don't know if that has to do with his sexuality or not but that's the type of thing where again this is a completely legitimate debate but throwing out those kinds of accusations calling people nazis and uh you know, Zionists, that really is not moving us forward. So I just want to make sure to to mention that. And of course, there's been bad blood on both sides. So just with that in mind. Uh, before we get into any of the interviews, right, I just thought it might be worth a minute of our time to kind of take a step back and look at what's up with the Democratic Socialists of America in 2022. A lot of us joined 2016, 2017 either during or post the first Bernie campaign. And there's been a few changes since then. For one, according to the website, we're up to almost 92,000 members, or it could be more than that now, which is like by far the biggest socialist organization in the U.S. And historically, since Eugene Debs' party, Socialist Party of America, over 100 years ago. Right. So it's a big accomplishment to have this big, friggin' tank we get to move around politics even if it doesn't really do much yet and why is it important to have a big socialist party because you could do stuff with it you can uh hypoth- you can throw in uh social democratic reforms into your big capitalist democracy you can push back against the insane groups that currently govern our entire country and then in theory and most importantly when you get the machine big enough 
you could take power, which is what the whole game is about. So it's pretty important that you have a machine up and running. And it's a big problem that people are leaving it right now because, I mean, even with all these valid criticisms coming out this week, this is the only party we have like this in America right now. And I bring up Socialist Party of America from the 20th century, right? Because I think if you look at what happened to them, uh, it's a pretty important warning to stay together right now because they kind of peak in membership in the 19 teens and then rapidly decline after speaking out on World War One and the following government purge in the Palmer raids in 1919. We're not in a world war right now, but not yet. We're certain we're in the middle of something right now, and we're almost the only public voice pushing back on it. It's getting ugly. Yeah. Your liberal friends are kind of looking at you cockeyed. It might be a good time to kind of stick together. Right. We now are. It's it's a very frustrating situation to be in. Not that it wasn't frustrating before and that it won't be in the future, but it's it's an odd position to be in because for so long the left has been completely irrelevant. Now we're just mostly irrelevant. Right. We do have this uh, close to a mass organization and it is large enough to warrant a response from the White House. Right. Which is pushing back on our statement. And we're not going to litigate this on this episode. I think it was a perfectly fine statement and a uh, strong one on on the war in in Ukraine. Uh, We condemn Putin's invasion. We also condemn NATO and we stand Uh, with our commitment to supporting the abolition of NATO, because it's not a necessary uh, institution that, and it does more harm than good. Yeah. Um, It's actually not a complicated socialist position to leave NATO. That is one of the very few things and something we're going to talk about in this, these interviews, which is uh, can we expect American socialists to abide by really basic socialist principles? Yeah. In in the face of uh, a new Red Scare and possibly a new Cold War, um, those are all things we need to to discuss and have an ongoing dialogue about. And this is the last thing I wanted to say before we get into it. We know because of the Internet and because of uh, public information from the 20th century, the forces of reaction love to see a party split. Right. We have the COINTELPRO documents, you know, before they go out assassinating black Panther members or doing mass arrests and locking everybody up and doing these elaborate red scare campaigns that take a lot of effort and time. The FBI is happy to just go in your org and just kind of cause dissent like a like a little pixie running around the works. Let's not do their work for them. All you have to do is not split people. All you have to do is not split. With that said, we're going to talk to some members of the National Political Committee who are, would you say, the main people taking heat right now? The uh, the guys everybody is mad at? The NPC? Yeah. I would say so, yeah. That, it appears they have uh, pissed people off now on, on both sides because they made the decision and then they reversed it. So a lot of heat. Yeah. So hopefully by putting out this episode, we can get some of that heat and uh, make enough of you denounce us as fascists online. And that's what this has all been about. And so we want to cut to that now. All right, let's hit it. We are now here live for our interview with Jenbo from the DSA NPC. Welcome to the show, the inimitable Jenbo. Hi, thank you so much for having me. 
live in the cut. Not live exactly, but uh, was live, live for us. us in this moment right now. But yeah, okay. Will I was be. having uh, anxiety. <laughs> no, no, no. I, we will edit everything you say uh, into a position you don't hold. Um, yeah, we're going to be pretty is... much crafting your opinions wholesale once this wraps up. I just thought yeah. that was an expression people use, like live in the cut. All right. They do when they're live in the cut. but And, you know, now that we're talking about it, it makes a lot of sense. Well, I don't want to get stuck on that. <laughs> Um, we're going to go right into the drama here. Uh, so, a uh, big turbulent week for DSA. Everybody's talking about the BDS working group and the dechartering, uh, vote taken against them. You voted against dechartering the BDS WG. Why, why did you come to that vote? So when all of this happened, so there's been conflict with the BDS working group. Um, at the NPC since probably November and December. And it all came to a head in February over a tweet thread. But in between, there there were no conversations with the BDS working group to try and, you know, mediate any conversations about what happened in, you know, the end of the year to try and come to some sort of compromise. That's not the right word. To like try and actually build something together. Like I truly believe that the BDS Palestine Solidarity Working Group should be the the political arm of DSA that tackles these issues. And it seemed odd that we were sort of icing them out and not talking to them while continuing this work. And so when this item came up, there was just like a really quick call to action. There was no there's no like outreach to say like, hey, you know, there's this tweet that has some problems. We have some information. You have other information. Like, let's figure out what the disconnect here is. Uh, it was just automatic punitive measures that didn't resolve anything. That didn't get to the bottom of why we both have different information. Um, and I just thought it wasn't like intentional or good political leadership. So I voted against it. Well, and I, I want to make sure to to cover this so it doesn't get lost in the sauce, but. We thread in question. What did it say? What about it was arguably inaccurate? And if you could settle something else, which I've been having a hard time sort of um, nailing down, there was a request for the BDS working group to hand over their passwords to the NPC or to the um, comms. Forgive me. And uh, I'm hearing just different things about whether or not they actually complied with that or whether they were cooperating with that request. Sure. Um, so by way of background, um, in November, um, Congressman Bowman had met with J Street and taken a trip to Israel. Um, and previously to that, he had voted for funding uh, for the Iron Dome. And this was obviously not in line with um, a lot of the principles. <laughs> There's an online with socialist principles. I don't know why I'm like advocating on that. And um, we had a series of meetings with him. Uh, where he promised the National Political Committee certain condition for re-endorsement. There was a call for his expulsion, a call for censure, um, and a couple other things like, you know, revoking his current endorsement. And so we had a series of meetings. We had a meeting with the BDS Palestine Solidarity Working Group in November where uh, he made certain promises to them that he wouldn't do in the future. He had a meeting with the NPC where he made certain promises to us 
And one of these was that he would take his name off of the Israel Normalization Bill. He had told this to the BDS working group in November, and then he later told this to the NPC um, in a separate meeting. And so when he did take his name off of the bill, some NPC members were quick to take credit for this and say, like, look, your calls for expulsion were illegitimate. We made this happen. Um, this is a pivotal point in Palestinian liberation. And it felt like a really big slight to the BDS working group because they're like, no, we already knew he was doing this. You guys didn't do this. And then it should have been a slight to all of us because he said he did this because of J Street publicly. Um, so and I'm sorry, what was this, this this bill? If you could just briefly explain what the what the bill was. Yeah, so it was um, it was the Israel Normalization Bill. It was I'm trying to remember all of the the parts of it that that were in there. Um, I don't want to look at my notes. I don't get this wrong, and then everybody attacks me. We can. I guess that the details of it aren't aren't super important, but it was a bill to. Uh, normalize Israel, if you will, and he um, was supporting it yeah. and then is no longer supporting it. Okay. Right. So he had told the BDS working group in November that, you know, he I'm planning on removing my name and he told them that he was going to do this um, when it was logistically feasible and that the reason that he had put his name on there in the first place was because um, something like 3,000 verified constituents had asked him to co-sponsor. The BDS working group tweeted that, you know, he only removed his name after redistricting was done um, to take his constituency out of a place that had been his constituency. And the NPC members had, are, are operating under the information that this was unrelated to constituency and it had to do with support from coalition partners. So that was a big um, discrepancy between the two, where one was they the BDS work group is under the impression that removal was based on redrawing of districting lines and the NPC is basing it off of him needing support from coalition partners to do this. And, and so that's like a big point of tension. Like Comrade, Comrade Bowman hasn't said either way, um, which was the contributing factor. It could have been both. It could have been neither. Um, the only thing that I've seen him give credit to publicly is his, um, his travel or his uh, talks with J Street for this. Mm. There's also uh, the NBC members took offense at a phrase where he says that that he came out explicitly against BDS um, and funded weapons to Israel. These as he communicated that he would continue to do so. But to the NPC, um, Comrade Bowman had said that, you know, he's committed to to not doing this, to not uh, funding Israel's military. And I think that's like a also a point of contention where the BDS working group, I don't know if this was just using his past actions to create a narrative um, or if it was, I, I doubt that he had said in a meeting with them, like, and I continue to do so. Um, uh -huh. So, but the NPC was like, no, he said he wasn't going to. All of this is um, frustrating right now because he has publicly said in a press release that if he were asked to fund the Iron Dome again, he would. So it's it's sort of like a weird, I don't know what he's saying, um, but I think as like the media support group said, this is like should be the floor for any socialist not to fund this. But at the time, the NPC saw this as um, 
unfairly attacking a congressman who had said, or a comrade who had said um, that he was committed to not to not funding things like the Iron Dome. Okay, and I and I kind of want to nail something else down. Uh, this part of it down as well because in and it's another discrepancy that you know uh, I feel like a lot of this is just people uh, talking with with their wives crossed. Um, but in one of the statements made by one of the NPC members who stepped down, um, people can find out who that is if they really want to. I believe he said in the resignation letter that Bowman had reversed his vote and had is now cast a vote more recently against funding the Iron Dome. Was that accurate or, or no? Yes, he funded on a bill that had multiple parts in it. That, And so he voted no against funding for an Iron Dome. But then he qualified it by putting out a press statement saying that if the Iron Dome vote were separate, he would have voted for it. Uh, okay, I see what you mean. All right. To take this conversation a step back for a second, uh, out of uh, Jamal Bowman's specific uh, conflict, it seems in general like the NPC and working group are not communicating optimally, and that's sort of where a lot of this is coming from. So I'm checking my email. And I see an exciting new DSA newsletter saying the dechartering of the group from last week is now reversed. Mm-hmm. What, what can we attribute to that? Was that mostly a petition or was there outside pro-Palestinian groups uh, putting any pressure on the org? What do you think about the reversal of the, of the decision? I don't know what to think because the NPC hasn't discussed any of this together as a group. That was put out by the chair saying, I think we should reverse it due to unforeseen circumstances, which I don't agree with at all. These were all foreseen circumstances. This is like a self-created crisis that we're in. Um, It was just put up. And then people were like, yeah, I agree. We haven't discussed as a group the political fallout, the, the hasty way we made our decisions. We haven't discussed the petitions. We haven't discussed the email campaigns. Um, we haven't discussed what chapters have said or coalition partners have said. Um, I can, I, I, I can speculate on why um, rationale that's been given by some NPC members is we didn't have a plan in place for um, folding this work into the international committee, and so until we do, we have to restore them. It seems very apolitical to me to not want to talk about the politics of all of this. Um, like the material damage that has been done to people doing this work on the ground from this decision, um, the hasty way we made the decision and then it, it, I'm hoping soon the NPC will have a discussion, um, hopefully public to members to talk about sort of what happened here. This is like a weird two weeks. It's all happened within two weeks. We're barely scratching the, the surface here. It seems there's like there's so much to sort of catch up on and understand. Uh, but like as of now, Justin is is who we also spoke or speaking with. He um, is going to be their liaison for the working group. And I believe also for the mm-hmm. International Committee. Um, how are things going to be different now? Is, is it going to be a worse relationship than it, than it was going forward? Or, or what's your sense of how? um that that's going to be moving forward because i've heard some um murmurs that they aren't that the working group is not going to be willing to work with 
the NPC until their leadership is reinstated. As far as like how things are going to go like administratively, like I, I don't know. We have to appoint a new steering committee. Um, I guess I, this is so demoralizing. I don't know how we think that this isn't going to impact work. And I think that that's also going to be used to say that. So part of the argument for dechartering them was that they don't do national campaigns or they don't do enough work. And so the IC should take over to make sure that they're doing national campaign work. And I think that this demoralizing effect is going to be used to sort of push that narrative. But it's been two weeks of them like just not having any support. I mean, support from other rank and file members. But like, I just, it's been such a demoralizing, anti-solidaristic week, I think, in DSA. And I think that moving forward from this is going to take time. I, I just don't see them just picking up in time for, you know, Nakba Day in May or something to push this work forward without thinking that, you know, without a discussion or any safeguards or anything that this can't just happen again. What do you think is the root cause of uh, all the conflict here? Like what, what are some changes we could make to avoid, you know, this kind of fallout in the future? I think we need to like, there's a couple fights here. I think that we need to like really grapple with the role of having, I guess, DSA members who have different constituencies um, than DS than uh, just a bunch of DSA members, right? Like, there's no nowhere. I think there's nowhere in the country where we elect someone into Congress and their voting base is like, like socialist, right, and has socialist anti-imperialist values uh, mm-hmm. and anti-capitalist uh, values. And I think that we have to figure out what concessions are going to need to be made to keep a democratic socialist in office. Um, and what concessions we're not going to make. And I think that if we are taking electoral tactic, we want to elect our members, get our members elected into office and keep them in And how to do that um, when our values are obviously always on the losing end of everything. I, I don't know how to do that. That's something that we need to talk about because I think that we don't grapple with that enough and everyone gets defensive of electoral work because when you come at it from this way, it's like saying, well, we shouldn't do this then. But like, what? how do we figure that out? But what's the point of also having someone elected into office if they're going to vote to fund something like the Iron Dome? Um, right. I think the root cause of this also is, and I think this all plays out very publicly, where there's no, there's just like this aversion to like getting into a room and going like, okay, so what's the, what do we push forward on this? Like, what's the narrative on this? And it's not like toxic positivity, which is like, we all agree on everything, but like, how do we critically put forward a socialist program that like has these tension points in a way that, that is productive. And then I also think a lot of people just have their feelings hurt. Like, I think that's a big thing too. Like, I think a lot of people just need to kind of get over some things, um, which is frustrating to me. I think like growing up as someone like who visited like Reddit and something awful and all this stuff, like I'm pretty immune to the internet, but I think that, it gets very like attacky and dunky and things like this. And I think people also like move to a punitive measure to like shut people up. I mean, there's a lot of things here. I think moving forward, there has to be some sort of people are talking for like a truth and reconciliation thing on this, but politically, like we need to like talk about like the political ramifications of our actions. And I think that that's something we don't do. And I think my 
ultimate point was that like, I don't know if we want to be actually an organization that is anti-capitalist and anti-imperialist, we'd actually need to think about what that means and how that looks in action because having a congressman in office who is our comrade, a DSA member who um, said publicly that he would vote to fund the iron dome, like isn't, isn't pushing forward a vision of socialism that I think um, should be, it's not socialism. It's not, it's, it's pushing forward occupation and, and not actually fighting for not just Palestinian liberation, but just indigenous liberation on every front. And we don't talk about it. It sucks. That's true. As a traditionalist, I like it when my socialists are socialist a lot of the time. <laughs> and uh, that's kind of the core of the issue. I mean, it seems like even without this um, fracas, though, I don't even know if I'm using that word correctly. Fracas. That this, uh, <laughs> that this Fra- controversy. Fracas Obama. I don't know. My sense was that, like, he's not going to get reendorsed, and the argument is really over to expel or to decline to reendorse. I mean, is there's no? Am I correct in that? This, especially after this, now it seems like there's no chance he's going to be receive another DSA endorsement. No, like as of a month ago, we were told that Lower Hudson Valley was starting their endorsement process, um, uh-huh. and that is the chapter that endorsed him the first time um i don't know how like i don't know what i mean i think that there needs to be more than just oh we didn't endorse him there needs to be like like i don't know what ever happened to actual like critical support even though this is like a red line for me Uh um but like why aren't we using this to like push forward a socialist message like this is, you know, we are standing in solidarity. Like it, it, everything that we say is so, is is so, it's just platitudes, right? And I think that, you know, just saying, like, we need to do with more of their action. I think just like not endorsing him again when a chapter most likely isn't going to be seeking reendorsement for him to avoid all of this is like is really weak to me. It's like really cowardly to just like let this like fade and die. Um. I think that it doesn't push forward a stronger socialist vision. It doesn't push forward a line. It's really frustrating to me that um, Palestinian liberation groups like don't want to work with DSA. Um, mm-hmm. And how do we turn the table on that? And how do we do that in a way that like, how do we support, you know, our comrades like Corey Bush or, you know, AOC who are like our, you know, our comrades in Congress to like actually like take a stand and not, not do something so, against what I hope are what is I what I hope is against their values because yeah. they feel they need to. And that is something we haven't even grappled with yet either. Okay. We do need to wrap this up. Sure. I do okay. have like another thing that would put a button on it, but I'm afraid to lose more audio. But let's <laughs> let's just give it a try anyway. Um so there's really a long way to go. A lot of people are upset about this in the last week and they're, you know, posting their feelings about it. What would you say to comrades who are upset and maybe considering leaving DSA after the events of last week? I think really like sit with that anchor and find out like, what are you angry about? And if you're angry about like that, this isn't like a strong anti-imperialist stance, like how are you, how, where can you channel that into an organizing that, that is productive? And I think right now, for better, or for worse, like, 
DSA is the spot. And like, how do we change that? How do we push forward for that in our democratically led organization to make actual sweeping changes to have like NPC accountability, congressional accountability, but you know, what can you think of materially that would look like instead of like a large, like, you know, Palestinian solidarity, what does that actually look like for um, our organization specifically? And like, how do we come to consensus on that? Like, how do we create red lines together that like we won't cross and we have no way to wiggle around it? Um, How do we, how do we create um, ways working with our electoral working group? Like, like these are our things that like our electeds cannot cross or else what's the point of electing them. And I think that if you're like feeling hopeless, figure out why you're feeling hopeless. Right. And like sit with that, you know, um, and, and like being a socialist or being a Marxist is so lonely. It's so alienating. You like try and talk to your friends about something like, I don't, isn't money weird. And like, they just, they don't get it. <laughs> and um, think about like why you joined a political organization, why political activity is important for you and like where locally you can find that um, because just giving up is just going to be even more alienating and more sad. Like there are so many people are upset about so many different things here because there are so many different fights happening around this one fracas um, and just uh, figure out like where you can find that solidarity because it's, it's truly, this sounds so, you know, but it's truly because we all want something better than what it is, like what what we're doing now. And we're just betrayed and let down that like we're not there. Um, and so I think there's a way to fix that. Just, yeah. So we, so we got to turn the fracas into raucous dissent <laughs> and revolt. Yeah. I couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Jenbo from the National Political Committee, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Sorry for my audio. <laughs> it's like it's like a DSA meeting, right? Yeah. <laughs> we are now live with Justin Charles, New York City DSA, DSA National uh, NPC. Justin Charles, returning guest to the show. He's back again, folks. Very exciting. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, th- thanks for having me on again, Alex. Anders, good to be here. Yeah. First of all, I got to say... Congratulations. You are the new liaison for the BDS working group and the international committee. Congratulations. Thank you. It's, 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 it's an honor. Many of uh, us aspire to be a liaison. Not that kind of liaison, but <laughs> don't envy. Yeah. This, this whole week has underscored how glad I am. I'm not on the NPC or in any uh, official decision-making capacity. It sounds very stressful. Somebody's got to do it. Right. Right. Yeah, huge ups for doing that. Um, let's get right into it. So last week, you voted for dechartering the BDS working group, the big uh, decision that we're all yelling about now and has maybe been partially undone this week. Um, what was the line they crossed for you where you felt the steering committee had to be removed? Well, I should say that um, there's a long, this has been going on for months, and I think, you know, for, to, to say that I voted to, to charter the working group last week is, is, is kind of inaccurate. We actually took the vote about what consequences there would be for the working group not complying with um, national committee criteria. Um, we, we took that vote at the end of February. Um, 
included in that vote though was you know another vote that basically said you know we would have another meeting with the working group to discuss you know the conflict that we had had um and they had also asked for a meeting in which we would try and de-escalate a bit and um the hope for that meeting was that we would be able to kind of talk through our issues before any kind of consequences were were uh, were implemented um so i did vote for in favor of all those consequences but i voted in favor of all those consequences including you know just, you know dechartering and folding into the ic and suspension of the leadership um with the understanding that those were you know the worst case if all else failed we did and so we did pass all that but i think uh, a couple of weeks later when we actually had a meeting or i should, should say maybe it was a week later no, time's a little fuzzy now we actually had a meeting with the working group and we had a plan going into that meeting um several of us on the npc not the whole npc but you know a kind of delegation of us we had a plan basically to kind of like not talk about you know this is all the bad stuff that can happen if you don't comply the plan was we listened to them about their concerns because we had asked them you know one comply with the committee criteria uh which includes you know giving your social media credentials to the uh comms department um but also you know there was a tweet thread that had you know uh arguably misinformation about um the npc's kinds of um i guess negotiations with with with, with jamal bowman uh, about what we would expect of him in order to get reendorsed um so we were going to listen to them about their concerns about that um and we were going to tell them you know from our perspective why the committee criteria is so important and we were going to try and hear each other out because honestly we hadn't done much talking to the working group uh the last time that we spoke to the working group was in december and we hadn't spoken to them since of course they had their they had their working they had their working group liaison aaron who's, who's now resigned from the npc but um there had not been a ton of i guess relaying of information between the working group and us and, and vice versa so we had that meeting um a couple of members of the NPC who were part of that group decided to change the agenda middle of the day before that meeting. The meeting was supposed to happen in the evening. Everybody else that was on the call was super busy, myself included, and didn't really have much time to think about that agenda change. But basically, they took the discussion of what would happen if they don't comply, which was like the last thing in the agenda. And we were only going to bring up if like the call went very poorly. Um, they decided to move that to the third item in the agenda, which basically like soured the whole thing yeah i could see so that, that was a big mistake <laughs> um that was a you know huge, huge fuck up timing is everything really yes it is um yeah so that went very poorly and then you know um the the, the meeting was kind of you know whatever agenda we had was kind of out the window at that point um we tried i think you know and i guess if you talk to jenbo jenbo will talk about jenbo had made a kind of amended written an event amended version of the social media policy which had not been you know passed or agreed to by the rest of the npc but jenbo you know decided to bring that up on the call we weren't ready for that nobody talked about that we were just kind of freestyling it after yeah. the uh, agenda change went very poorly 
Um, but the working group liked Jenbo's amendment. And my interest at that moment was like trying to save the situation. So I was like, yeah, let's go with Jenbo's amendment. Unfortunately, and we said we would take that back to the NPC. We took it back to the NPC. The rest of the NPC was like, no, we don't like that. So we ended up, and I mean, you know, I was trying to argue like we have not done everything we can to, to end this amicably. This is the second time we've talked to this working group since December. Um, we have not done anything really to try and, you know, de-escalate or come to any kind of reconciliation. Um, so to me, we can't really go through with all this stuff we said we'd go through with because we haven't tried to do anything else. But uh, the majority of the uh, NPC felt differently. Um, some people, you know, did not even feel that the consequences were right and didn't vote for them in the first place, but they decided because the NPC had voted on the consequences, we should go through with it. I don't understand that reasoning, but we basically took two more votes via email. Usually we do votes via Lumio. One was to kind of go through with the consequences and notify the uh, working group. The other was to draft a message to put on the forum to inform membership. Uh, I did not vote on either of those. It felt kind of pointless. So then that's what happened last Friday. That went very poorly. It was very poorly received, as you can tell. That's why we're on this call right now. So that caused the, and that caused a whole bunch of drama. The drama, it attracts podcasts like flies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, but here we are today. We've, 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 we've rescinded at least part of our decision. One, the, the, the decision to de-charter the working group, we just rescinded. So the working group will exist. Um, however, we were unable to, the vote failed to rescind the decision to suspend the steering committee. That was a tied vote. Um, Seven. You say steering committee is steer, that's the steering committee of the working group. Yeah. Okay. So that's their their internal leadership. Correct. Okay. Um, and so that decision stands, which I think is unfortunate. I mean, people will tell you different opinions about this. Um, uh, I think it's unfortunate because the working group as a whole, the rank and file of the working group, has a great deal of faith and loyalty to the steering committee. And I don't think, you know, they're not simply just going to do, do, do what we're telling them to do uh, as the NPC. So we are basically in the same spot we were in, you know, a few days, a few days ago, I would say. Right. But plus a whole lot of bad vibes, which I think <laughs> is worth discussing, right? Yeah. Um, just on a personal level. You know, you've been on the NPC since this has exploded online, um, and you you must have felt some a good wave of uncomradely behavior coming out from it, uh, to to put it politically. But um, I wanted to ask you do you do you feel like so a lot of this tension is stemming from the entire Bowman conflict started a few months ago. Um, how, how much of this conflict do you, do you feel is interpersonal or or factional, and how much is just social media poor strategy or miscommunication or just some kind of like warped dynamic going on that we can get a hold of? Um, I mean, I don't want to diminish or, or I don't want to like write off this conflict. Like, I mean, this is like, this is not just interpersonal stuff. Like this is like serious political conflict as well as interpersonal conflict. 
this is rooted in the fact that DSA endorsed a member, a, 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 a candidate for Congress who from the jump did not align with the organization's position on Palestine. Um, but the chapter, New York City declined to endorse because the, the district overlaps both New York City's chapter and Lower Hudson Valley's chapter. Um, New York City declined to endorse in part because more of the district is in Lower Hudson Valley's turf, um, but also because, you know, our candidate questionnaire, our platform is pretty, you know, pretty clearly pro BDS. Um, so we declined to endorse, but Lower Hudson Valley did endorse. Um, now, we also endorsed Bowman pretty late in the game, a couple, couple weeks before his election that he won. So I think there's a, I think part of what's happening here is there's a kind of, people are interpreting the endorsement in different ways. Um, I th and this is a problem for the organization in that um, some people read the endorsement as meaning this person is fully on board with our program, with everything that we, that we stand for. Um, and any kind of compromise on that is, you know, a violation. I don't necessarily like d disagree with that in principle, but I think, you know, our, our, our just, you know, the, con the, the convention that we had last, last year, last summer, there were resolutions to kind of bind candidates and members to our program, to our platform and our organizational positions. And those failed. Um, so that is not like, that's not the policy of the organization that like, you know, an elected who has our endorsement has to do everything in alignment with our, with our positions. Um, is the problem just the word endorsement? Do you need more words? Um, maybe. I mean, I don't, I, it, I think, uh, here's, here's the thing. I think people are, some people read DSA as like a true or at least a proto party formation and think that we should act as such. And a party formation has much more discipline over its over its endorsed electeds and candidates um, and much tighter of a relationship. I mean, with Bowman, you know, I think one of our working groups, the Ecosources Working Group, collaborated with him on uh, some legislation, uh, the Green New Deal for public schools. But beyond that, there was no real relationship. I mean, I think some folks from the BDS Working Group had been in contact with um some people from his staff um, about, you know, his position on BDS and asked him to kind of stop dragging BDS publicly. Um, but the NPC had no real relationship with him up until this, this whole crisis happened uh, in which we had to kind of try and reverse engineer one. Um, so I think there's the political problem of like, what does it mean to be an endorsed, a DSA endorsed candidate and, and elected? Um, what is that, what is expected of you when you have that designation, when, when, when we've, you know, decided that, you know, you, you become associated with DSA, you can't be doing stuff that DSA doesn't stand for. Right. Um, I think now, you know, I mean, we have to look a little closer at our endorsement process, particularly for federal electeds. Um, and I think 
another part of the political conflict here is like, some people read this as, I mean, people who are less um, convinced of electoral uh, politics as being as significant a part of our strategy as it is, see this as kind of uh, us capitulating on our principles in order to, 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 to have access to some elected. Um, I think that's not a great interpretation, but I also, to some extent, think like, you know, if this dude is not aligned with us, why are we associating with him? In particular, on an issue such as this, I think the 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 question of red lines is a, is is not one that we should write off. I think we should have red lines as a socialist organization. Right. I mean, it, for me, one of the frustrations with the whole debate, and I, I agree, it's it is a really valid debate and something we have to work through. But to if we like look at it from a bird's eye view. You know, there's some exceptions, but for, for the most part, it came down to after he um, went to Israel and uh, voted for Iron Dome and, and all that. It came down to one side wanted expulsion immediately from the organization for Bowman. And the other side wanted to uh, see if we could get him to move on some things and then most likely decline to reendorse, if that's if that's an accurate uh, statement. And you know, again, valid debate, but from in the grand scheme of things, it's not a huge difference. Right. But but the it, it's been framed in such a way that like you're either for um, expelling him immediately or you're you're anti-Palestinian. And then there's been a lot of bad faith on on the other side as well. But um, it's just been hard to, to navigate and really discuss this with people. And again, it is something we really need to figure out as an organization with all this like really charged um, rhetoric, I guess. Uh, and so this process with working with the, the WG, the BDS working group, um, you said you only had a couple meetings with them before this, this initial vote. Uh, what were those, those meetings like, and it was it hard to reach consensus and, um, and sort of bridge that gap and have a, a substantive discussion with them. Um, I mean, we had, we had, uh, so the, the NPC had one meeting with, with, with the steering committee of the working group back in December. Um, we had also, I mean, we had a meeting with a a handful of us had a meeting with, with, with Bowman, uh, some members of his staff, um, and a couple members of the BDS working group, um, where we kind of talked about why the, the, the J street trip, the trip to Israel was a problem. Why meeting with, with Tally Bennett, you know, somebody who says, you know, it's, it's absolutely no problem to, to, to kill a bunch of Arabs. Why it's a problem to meet with that dude. Mm-hmm. Um, why the iron dome vote was a problem. Um, and like what we would like to see from them. Um, the, the meeting that we had, I mean, and in that meeting, you know, we, we had that one and then the NBC had a couple meetings, you know, on our own with, with Bowman staff. And then we, we, we talked about what we would like to see from them. And the, the staff told us what they were, what they were capable of doing. And we said, okay. And then, you know, we, we said to the, to the organization, if he doesn't do the stuff that we agreed with him on, he won't get reendorsed. Um, we had more meetings with the, the, 
the BDS working group because there had been kind of, I guess, we see our role as the as, as the national political leadership. The organization is like, you know, I guess the buck stops with us to some extent. So we we took meetings with Bowman's staff without the working group, which I think people were not happy about. But after that, I mean, I think when we made our decision about not expelling, you know, there was more hurt feelings um, and anger with us because, I mean, if, 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 if the dude voted for, you know, funding to Iron Dome, which like leads directly to, you know, you know, harm in some cases, you know, the death of people that, you know, um, you're going to take that personally. I mean, I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to fault anybody for that. Um, this is a very, this is a very, this is kind of, this is a very tough issue. I mean, this, this is not just some like theoretical argument that we often have in a socialist organization. This is, this is life and death. Um, so it's very people, it's, 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 it's tough. I mean, Israel-Palestine has tended to be kind of like a third rail of U.S. politics um, in a lot of ways. It's, it's, mm. I don't think it's any different for, for, for us here. Um, I think, though, that I, I, I guess like we the problem is that with the, between us and the working group is I don't know that we had the, the working group. And this goes back to some of their history. I mean, the working group was 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 founded apart from our international committee, because our international committee used to be kind of not that great. Mm. Um, and I think, I think kind of in the DNA of the, of the working group is a kind of mistrust of the national organization, because like for so long, the national organization, you know, I mean, prior to the Bernie bump, prior to 2016, you know, wasn't that great. Some of the remnants of some of that those politics stuck around, particularly the international committee. Um, the median age shifted around forty years or something. I was reading. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but luckily in twenty nineteen, new reorganization of the of the international committee happened. The international committee is a totally different 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 place now. Um, but I think the working group still is pretty adamant about you know. I mean, they're, they're the resolution that founded the working group, you know, calls for it to be uh, autonomous and, you know, they take that seriously. Um, I think, but I think there's a mistrust of the, of the national organization to begin with. I think the working group is not necessarily particularly all that well integrated with the rest of the organization, um, which is a problem. Um, and one I, I hope to, to, to try and, you know, solve as, as, as a liaison. And I think that it hasn't had like great relationships with the NPC. I think the, the liaison that they had last term just had too much on their plate and didn't necessarily do everything that could be done to connect them with us. Um, and I think that's probably the case too, this, this term uh, up until recently. And I hope to change that. All right. Um, well, I don't want to take up too much of your time. You're a busy guy. Uh, just before we get out of here, I thought I should ask this. Uh, is there anything you think uh, we can do to improve the hostile internal culture inside DSA? Oh, shit, man. The turning, the snipping, <laughs> the posting and uh, slashing. 
Well, oof. Um, do you need more comedy shows? We're currently um, doing one a month. More comedy shows would be great. I mean, I think I think we're. I mean, I don't know if you, if you pay attention to the to like DSA inside baseball at all, you know that like the 2021 convention was was a shit show of just factional bullshit. Um, and this happens generally every convention. There's some kind of, as we call it, August surprise. <laughs> I think um, we have to get a lot better at like at being comrades or even understanding what the fuck a comrade is. Um, I feel like a lot of the people in the activist layer of the organization are absolutely dog shit at understanding what the word comrade means. We treat each other terribly. Um, and listen, like, so long as like, we're so invested in treating each other terribly and not treating the capitalist class terribly, not treating the right um, and, you know, our opponents in the, in the liberal establishment, we gotta treat them terribly. We gotta <laughs> do everything we can to make their lives miserable, not each other's lives. You know, I think, and this, re this remains a problem. It's been a problem my entire time in this organization. Um, we have to, I mean, I think some of that comes from the very online nature of this, of, of things and being on Twitter and there being such a kind of like DSA, it's current incarnation being so tied to social media. Um, re recognize there's a human on the other end of that avatar. Um, recognize that that human might have all sorts of goofy things that you don't like going on, but like they, they, they want socialism too. Um, and like give people a bit of grace. There's probably some asshole out there that's going to say that I'm, you know, naive for saying that, but I feel like so long as we keep doing this bullshit, we're not going to win anything. Mm. Um, so learn what a comrade is and be one. Read a book. <laughs> all right um that's great to hear thank you justin for coming on again uh last time we talked to you was force the vote i look forward to having <laughs> you back on the show for some other fun yeah uh, whatever whatever to... mess happens next i'll be happy to <laughs> uh-huh honey wow what an org yeah man uh quite the Man, I, I'm so glad I am not a member of the National Political Committee. Uh, do not elect me. If elected, I will not serve. Um, right. Sounds like sounds like hell. And I don't believe they're even they're getting paid for this. So, um, man, it seems I'm just glad I'm not in any decision making capacity other than like which uh, door to knock on. Actually, that's not even a decision you got to make either. I, I like there's not an app, to make actually. I've been meaning tell, to talk yeah. to you about that. When you do that, <laughs> you, there's a whole way you're supposed to be doing it. But we, we can go over that later. <laughs> oh, just um, knock on random doors. <laughs> I don't know. Did, did you learn anything from this enlightening I got even, discussion? <laughs> I got more confused than I was already. Um, <laughs> but we're working it out. And uh, yeah, I, you know, it's, it's okay to not have a strong opinion sometimes other than let's end apartheid and stop being mean to one another. Yeah. I've uh, turned against the state of Israel in the last hour and that's been a big <laughs> development for me. But if you want to get involved, 
in DSA. I think one thing everyone can agree on, and there's so much to disagree on, but one thing we can agree on is that Starbucks should be unionized. And I keep saying this. Yeah, it's it's happening, folks. It's uh, I mean, there's something like six to nine thousand stores, something like that in the country, which is smaller than I thought. Actually, I assumed it was like a hundred thousand or something, but not a number. I thought it was a million stores. You could easily convince me of that. But it's it's uh, I believe in the single thousands, the number of stores and the the current number there are more of us than there are of them. Absolutely. Yes. Think about it. There has you can't have one employee for each store. There's at least at least two, at least two employees for each of those stores. And if we get them, uh, if we get it spreading, as is happening, there's over 100 stores that have filed, I believe, for union elections. And that's, you know, a small fraction uh, overall. But that number is growing and growing and growing. And DSA is uh, is is helping with that. And we are we are part of that effort. We're not, you know, the leaders, but we are uh, assisting and you can definitely get involved. And maybe if you're looking for a job as as I am, maybe we should think about working at Starbucks because you're going to go work at Starbucks. I'm thinking about it. I don't know. I mean, they if they really dug uh, into my background, which they probably won't do, then they could find this episode and say, no, don't hire him. I don't think that will this. happen. OK, yeah, I'll tell you what I could will. happen, though, which is you work at Starbucks and then I use you to get free drinks. And that could be oh, really something that builds the movement. I'm going to sneak Kratom in them. That sounds illegal, but I hooked. think you should do it anyway. I knew somebody who Taco Bell. Uh, a pot dealer worked at Taco Bell and you would go through the drive through and, you know, number nine would be code for uh, a deuce bag or whatever. And uh, a dub, not a deuce oh, bag. Oh, a deuce bag? I couldn't think of the term for dub. Although some people don't use dub. I remember I asked someone for a dub once. They're like, what? The, speak English. Do you mean you deuce say? bag? <laughs> <laughs> that should be the terminology. I don't even going know forward, what I you're think. saying. A 20 bag. Uh, and they would put the the pot in the order. So you would get weed with your Taco Bell. I was once trying to get mushrooms and I asked the guy for tasty veggies and then they gave me something totally different. And I was so disappointed. What did they give you? Like vegetable sticks or something? They gave me like, like just a bunch of chips? like weed crumbs. And I was like, this isn't even like I had already driven to like a mountain or whatever. And I was like, a well, mountain? shit. They're like this is great seasoning. Uh, I guess I'll just kill myself up here. Anyway, my plug for the week, don't quit America's largest socialist organization. Yes. Don't be part of it. Change it to be the way you would like it to be. There's nowhere else to go. Yeah, that's the thing. Without naming any names, there are people always say, oh, there's dozens, uh, ones of these other organizations you can join. Uh, without naming any names, most of them are far more toxic internally than DSA. Many of them are cults. Uh, don't do it. Don't do it, folks. Stay in DSA. Not even once. Um, and yeah, organize, help organize Starbucks. There's going to be a call probably when this comes out. Um, a national organizing call. Yeah. March 25th. So uh, if, if you're a DSA uh, member, you'll, you've got an email about it already. Yeah, our plug is to check your email. Uh, next paid protest show in New York is April 15th. If you want to come for that, that will be fundraising for the Iapa campaign. 
in Manhattan, and it's going to be dope. Daniel Simonson's on it. He's my favorite. Ah. Yeah, good stuff coming. Two kinds and, of socialism in the same person, Norwegian and Chilean. And that's what it, this whole campaign has been about. Whose dad is actually a Chilean revolutionary, but that's another story. It's a whole other story. And we're going to call it there for the week. And as we always say, I love you. It's finished. <laughs>